Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Larry Sharp. Larry is in the world of libertarians in the United States. He's a big deal. And I I love when I get the opportunity to chat with Larry. He's ran for governor of the state of New York twice. And he's had a lot of real good exposure over the years. Very sharp guy, former military. Really appreciate him coming on the show. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please... Send my sponsors some referrals. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in in today's episode. I am happy to be joined by returning guest, one of my favorite libertarian minds out there, Larry Sharp. Larry, how are you today? I'm doing well, my friend. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're recording the episode today, Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. Very interesting time to be alive. Over the past few Is. years, over the past few years, I've spoke with Larry uh, on multiple occasions about many libertarian or, or you know, political type topics and what the purpose of today's episode is for. Is I just want a little bit of a state of the union. I know you've always got some... And I'm not, I don't mean to laugh, but you're fighting the good fight up there in the state of New York. And I know I keep telling people, people get mad at me. They say all the time, they go, why, why don't you get out of New York? Why don't you leave New York? I'm going to tell you why, because this is the front line. My friend, all the garbage that happens here is coming to your state. You can act like it doesn't matter. It does. Well, I'll just move away. Okay, great. It's coming to you anyway. If you move to Jersey, it's coming to you in like six months. Move to Utah, 30 years. But either way, it's coming to you. It doesn't matter. At one point, it's going to come to you. All the stuff you see here, and one of the biggest things you're seeing in New York, one of the biggest problems you're going to see, and it's a common problem, is that economic growth is only spurred by government intervention. You might go, why does that matter? What it means is if government doesn't pay you or bribe you or you aren't involved in government, 
you don't get to grow in your local area. It destroys local businesses. Look at so many small towns. New York State is filled with this. And it's, if it isn't your state, it's going to eventually. All the small towns. If you're in a small town, you either work for some kind of franchise, whether that's a McDonald's franchise, whether that's a, a gas station franchise, right? Some kind of franchise, right? Or you work for the government. You work for the school district. You work for the bus company, right? Something like that. Or you work for the one big thing, the prison, um, the, the, the university, the one Walmart, right? You work for the one big thing. Or you're getting a government check or you're in the black market. You know what the black market means when I say that? You're in the black market. And that's not how the world's supposed to be. The world's supposed to be some people are doing those things and a whole lot others are doing their own thing, working for small businesses, starting businesses, working for medium-sized businesses, doing all types of things. Again, I'm not against the black market. I'm just saying that they, this should not be the, the number one thing you're doing. And I see that happening all throughout New York State. And if you haven't seen it in your state, it's coming to your state. So only government decides and, and why this matters. You might say, Larry, does it really matter that much? It does, because that means cronyism is the way things get done. So it doesn't matter if you're good at what you do. It doesn't matter if you're innovative. It doesn't matter if you're savvy or smart. What matters, who you know. This is not the way of successful companies, not the way of successful countries, not the way of successful organizations, nothing. Meritocracy goes away and who I know becomes more important. This is a, a thing that people may not get. They say, why do we always have like government spending all this money? Why does the government want to spend all this money? All right, if I'm a governor or I'm a mayor or I'm a congressperson or whatever, why do I want to spend the money? Why don't I just go, hey, you, go build this thing, right? Here's space, I'll give you the space, go build the thing. Why do I want to say government's investing? Because then I'm giving the contract away. And when I give the contract away, I am responsible for all those jobs. So now, right, if it's a, I don't know, make up a company, uh, Google is going to build something. When Google builds something, they have, a, they have a procurement office. They're looking for the best price. They have lawyers who sue people. If they don't do the job well, they're going to, right? They, they care about their dollars. Well, now, though, it's Governor Larry Sharp or, you know, Mayor Patrick or whatever, right? It's one of us deciding. It's not our money. We don't care if they throw it or blow it away. We don't care. It's not our money. And if it fails, eh, we'll just tax some more or get some more money from the government. We don't care. It's not our money. So who are we going to give the project to? We give the project to the people who supported us. So by the way, I'm Governor Sharp and Mr. Patrick happens to own a construction company and Mr. Patrick and his friends gave me $10,000 last year for my campaign. Well, what a coincidence. Now you get that contract. Huh, what a coincidence that is. You get that contract, you're going to support me. But not just that, because you know that you're going to literally tell your people and this happens in unions, particularly all the time. You're going to tell your people, you want your job. You better thank Larry Sharp on election day. That literally happens. I'm not, that's not figuratively. That literally happens, right? You want your contract renewed? You better thank Larry Sharp on election day. So I'm literally telling my people to vote for me now. Do they care about my policies? No, I don't have any. Do they care about who I am as a person? No, they don't know me. What they care about is I get them a job so they can pay their bills, so they vote for me. That's what's happening more and more. That is the way it's done in New York State. That's the way it's done. My congressperson is AOC. <laughs> I was, yes. 
Yes, every single person in my line, my city councilman, my state assemblyman, and my congressperson are all active members of the DN, uh, of the DSA, which is the Democratic Socialists of America. Wow. All three, at every level, city level, state level, federal level, all three. My district is so blue, the Republicans have not run a candidate in 10 years. They don't even run a candidate in my assembly district. They don't run a, there's no candidate. If you were to call the local Republican party here, it's like somebody's dry cleaner. I'm not joking. It's like, yeah, Joey's place. This is Republican uh, headquarters. Yeah, what do you need? That's what it is because it doesn't exist here. That's how bad it is. And I say, it's a lie, but mine is I'm Republican where I am. Or I'm Democrat where I am. Who cares? One party rule is North Korea. And that's what we have now. When there's one party rule, which is happening all across the country, you're seeing it. When there's one party rule, there is no democracy. And that's the bigger issue. I'm sorry, I yapped at you. You give me time to preach. I'm just going to keep preaching, man. I'll I love it. That's, that's why I'm, I'm having you on, Larry. It's always good conversation. I prompted that yapping, which I enjoyed, by asking. I said, I, I, I know you, Larry. You've been fighting yep. the good fight in the state of New York. Could you, if someone's tuning in for the first time, what's your, your uh, you know, elevator spiel? Who's Larry Sharp? Why, why are you a libertarian in New York? What is it you've done? Have you ran for governor? What, what's your summary? I am a, the weird part is, is I'm born and bred here. This is my city. You know, I right now live in Queens. I'm born in Manhattan, lived in the Bronx, on Long Island, and in Queens. I've been in Queens here now over 20 years. So this is where I live. This is my home, right? And I was going to leave. New York is a disaster. It's basically a communist state, but it didn't matter at one point because for those of you who don't know New York City, it was such a mecca for talent that people didn't care. They would come here and they would take all the horrible government you know, problems because the chance for opportunity was so great. I don't care at the old, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere type thing. That was true. If you could make it in New York, you could go any place else. Oh, you made it in New York? Oh my God. And you're hired. Right. That's just how it was. This is not true anymore. But that but that was an accurate way that people looked at you. Oh, my God, you came from New York and you made it there. You must be great in whatever you do. And people wanted to hire you. It was a great thing to do. People came to New York to be somebody. It didn't matter. Right. How bad the government was. It was irrelevant. No matter how bad a crime was. The opportunity was so great. Remember, New York City is a 16 million metro person area. That's larger than most states combined. Right. New York City. Eight and a half million people. Again, larger than almost all but like eight or 10 states. There's a massive amount of people and talent that comes there. One third of people in New York City are not born in the country. Another one third aren't born in the city. That means most people in New York City are not from New York City. It is common for people to say, where are you from? And that's not a, where are you from? It's not that. It's just, hey, where are you from? Because you're probably not from here. I'm the oddball born in my city. I'm the weirdo actually born here. So, so with that in mind, that's how transient the city is. People came here and they grew here. The problem is when the lockdowns hit, it made it so obvious you didn't have to be here anymore. Everything became remote. Everything became remote in everything we do. Customers were remote. Uh, people were remote. Workers were remote. Money is remote. People have been leaving New York City. New York, city, New York State has grown by three different reasons. Three Fs. Farming, finance, forward thinking. Those are the three things that have made New York great for literally 400 years, right? Since the Dutch had us, right? 400 years. That's what New York State has been great for those three things. 
we have destroyed our farms. We are losing finance. But we're thinking is attacked. That's why New York State's dying. New York State has been ranked the least free state by Cato six years running. The least of all 50, least free. And we've been losing population faster than any other state for years. We lose over 300,000 people every year leave our state. We lost one congressperson last year. It was so bad. We would have lost two, but they changed how they count people in New York State. This is for you, those people who feel this way. You're going to be unhappy when I tell you this, but it actually happened. We now count non-citizens and migrants who are undocumented. That happened just our last um, census. If that didn't happen, New York would have lost two Congress people. That is how many undocumented migrants we have in New York State. That it saved us a congressperson. I know some of your audience is like, what? It's absolutely true. Do your homework if you think I'm making it up. It's 100% true. That's how bad our state is. And it's coming to your state. I keep saying that. If they get away with it here, they will keep moving. That's how it works. All the bad things happen here first. And they go, oh, we got away with it? Oh, okay, let's keep going. And for those of you who are Second Amendment um, supporters, I'll give you this one too. The Supreme Court told New York State that its Second Amendment laws were unconstitutional. What did New York State do? Passed 10 more gun laws. I'm not joking. Passed 10 more gun laws. Now, if you don't care about the Second Amendment, it doesn't matter to you. But if you care about the Second Amendment, that's what happened. You might go, wait a minute. But the Supreme Court said no. Correct. Supreme Court said no. New York State said, I don't care. I'm making 10 more. So the Supreme Court's ruling meant nothing in the state. Why does that matter? That's going to come to your state. We got away with it. If we get away with it, your state will too. Now, there'll be some good things that will be good, right? States pushing away and actually supporting the Constitution against, a, uh, against you know, a Supreme Court, that is. But we're literally going against the Constitution. We're not going for it. We're not supporting the Constitution. We're literally, we've turned the Second Amendment to the Second Suggestion. So what happens when they turn the First Amendment to the first suggestion or the Fourth Amendment to the fourth suggestion? Then, I mean, no one cares about the Third Amendment anymore, but the first and the fourth, we care about that, right? All of a sudden now I can just search your house because I can just do that. What about the Fifth Amendment? You now have to, you now, you now have to say if you're a bad guy, if you don't, you're guilty. That's how Fifth Amendment goes away. And we're doing that too in New York. That's already happening in New York, right? As we punish people without even having civil asset forfeiture is punishing people without a conviction. People may not know this, and libertarians have been yelling about this for years. The government can if it wants to. Say it breaks into your house right now. Kicks, kicks your door in, and Kelly. Kicks your door in, looks around your house, goes, I think you're a bad guy because I think that for whatever reason. So I'm going to take all your equipment and all any cash you have around. I'm going to take it all because I think you're a bad guy. I take it all. Now come to find out, oh, wrong house. Kelly, sorry about that. Wasn't you. You go, great. Can I have my stuff back? No. And that's legal. I'm not joking. That is 100% legal. Happens all the time. In fact, this some people don't know. The amount of civil asset forward, the amount of money and value that the American, uh, that the American government, I mean, these police forces, FBI, ATF, all of them to combine, take from Americans, is more than lost to theft. The biggest thief in the country is the American government. I'm not, do your own homework, they're making it. That's the biggest thief. And it is huge here in New York. It's how they fund it. It turns, new, it turns law enforcement away from getting bad guys, which is what they should be doing is getting bad guys. It turns law enforcement into a profit center. So now that's how they help make extra money. I can't keep taxing people, so I'll just rob them instead. 
That's what winds up happening. And you say to yourself, Larry, are you serious? Yes, if you can't do your own homework, civil asset forfeiture, I'm not making this up. The question I would ask you is, what Democrat or Republican will tell you about this? They won't, why? They're part of the system. They're part of the system. Why do you think I spend so much time fighting for independent parties? Why do I spend so much time being, you think the Republican party has it come to me and doesn't come to me literally every year and beg me to run Republican? Of course they do. Do they? they every year. So, so, so let me ask about that. That's but why it. would I? Okay, that's interesting. I understand why you, you wouldn't because you'd automatically be compromised, right? I'm, I'm a, I am a popular in New York State. I pull at 6% when I'm not running. Repeat that. When I'm not running, wow. this is Zogby polls, you, you can literally go to 538, 538.com, go there, put my name in, see my polling. I poll around 6% when I'm not running. That is how popular I'm in my state. I go to my state, I go to every single county, every single year. I call it the full sharp. I stole it from Chuck Grassley, who did it in Iowa. He does the full Grassley, stole it from him. I do the full sharp every year, and I do it every year, whether I run or not. I've only run twice, 2018, 2022. But I've done a full shop every year since 2017. Did one last year too, and I didn't. And doesn't, I wasn't running. I'll do one again this year. I'm not running. I cover the state every single year to see what's happening in my state because I give a damn because it matters to me. So I do it. With that in mind, you think Republicans don't want me to run? Of course they do. Of course they do. They would love me to run. Democrats don't want me to run because Democrats control the state. They control. It's three to one Democrat Republican in my state. Six to one Democrat Republican in my city. A Republican has not won a statewide election in my state in 22 years. Jeez. Our last Republican governor was Michael Bloomberg. I'm, I'm sorry, Republican mayor was Michael Bloomberg. They're really Republican. The guy who ran for president is Democrat. That was our official last Republican mayor was Michael Bloomberg. So even our Republicans are just Democrats. So basically they say, okay, are you a communist? Yes, okay, Democrat. Are you a socialist? Ah, okay, Republican. That's how it works in New York City. So that's, that's how they figure it out. So my, my point being, of course they want me to run, but why would I? But Larry, you could win. It's true. That's not, that's not, untru that's not untrue. That's true. I, I could actually win, but I would, to your point, be compromised and I would have saved nothing. I don't want a job. I have one. It's not a vanity project. I, I literally have a Wikipedia page and I have, a, and I have a, a podcast with my name on it. I don't require any more vanity. I got that. I'm good with that. Vanity project complete. I don't have to go and run for office for that. Not required, right? Nothing. I've been on Joe Rogan, right? My vanity is, is satisfied, right? I'm good. So why would I run for office if I can't make impact? I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I don't have to run for office to, to, for some vanity crap. It's not required. The salary they give me to be forward is less than I make now. I'm gonna take a pay cut and bust my rump for that? No, thank you. I'll pass. Not what I wanna do. So I wanna run so that I can make impact. I can't make impact in a two-party system. I, think about it, how many people do you think, look, I am not a fan of AOC's policies. Maybe some of your audience likes Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's policies. I don't know what your audience likes. Maybe they do, and I'm not against it. Good for you if you like. A lot of people in my district love her policies. That's fine. But I honestly believe that when she first started running, and how do I know this? Because her people and her team knocked on my door I'll give this woman respect. She had a work ethic that was very impressive in her first run. Her team busted that rump. She busted it. She, that seat was not given to her. 
She earned that seat, 100%. Kudos for the work ethic. I always give credit where credit is due. She busted her ass for that seat and she got it. Congrats on that. Then she had all these wonderful ideas and implemented none of them. Now, to be forward, I don't like her ideas and I'm not unhappy they were implemented. However, if you vote for someone, you should get the thing you vote for in theory, regardless of whether I like it or not, right? Me liking the theory isn't the reason why you should get it. You should get it because you voted for it. She said so. You voted for her. She should give it to you. That's what should happen in, in, in a democracy. That's not what happened, though, right? That's not what happened. What happened is she got on board, hooped and hollered, and then became compromised. Now, she is the person who was saying, I hate the establishment, I'm the non-establishment candidate, and now she's telling everybody to vote for Biden, Mr. Establishment. Again, I don't know if anybody likes Biden or not. He is Mr. Establishment. Whether you like his policies or not, you cannot deny Mr. Establishment. Based on rhetoric, AOC would not have voted yes about, let's say, that specific thing that Congress asked about Zionism, anti-Zionism, yep. the same as anti-Semitism. Thomas Massey is the only one who voted no on that. Correct. He's the A only one at heart. I'm sorry? Yes. He's a libertarian at heart. He is. He is. AOC he, does, he, he, doesn't even vote for, for the foreign policy type stuff at all that she says she was Correct. Doing. She is just compromised, right? Now, I got to give Massey. I mean, I, I know Massey. I love him. He's, he's great. I think if Libertarian Party was a real party, I think he would switch. That's what I think. But Libertarian Party is such a broken party compared to the top two. I mean, to be forward, Libertarian Party is the third largest party in the country. We are, it's Democrats, Republicans. Democrats are higher than Republicans. They have more money and more bodies than Republicans, but not by much, but they do have more. After the Republicans, there is a massive gap. And then Libertarians, who have the next amount of money and resources and infrastructure, then there's more of a gap than the Green Party than everybody else. That's how it actually works. How does someone like... Didn't Kanye actually run in this last election? He got a somewhat okay number of votes. How, how does that work? No. Well, if you see the amount of work that he did, great amount. He did no work. Okay. So for some guy who just said, hi, he got lots of votes for that. If I did that, I would get like one vote me, right? That's all I would get. He just said, hi, I'm running and got thousands, but he did not get many votes. And the reason is most people don't understand what's called ballot access. People don't know what that means. What that means is right now, in, in America right now, two private corporations run our election system completely. And people would say, wait a minute, Larry, is that true? Yes, it is true. The two private corporations are the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. They are private corporations as established in 2016 by the Supreme Court because Bernie Sanders said, when he was fighting with Hillary Clinton in 2016, he said, this system is bogus. The Democratic people want me, not Hillary. And that, by the way, is true. The Democratic individual voters in the Democratic Party in 2016 wanted Bernie, not Hillary. That's a fact. You can look at all you want. That's true. Democratic Party said, we don't care. We're going to make up our own rules, and we're going to make sure that Hillary wins. And again, this is documented. I'm not making this up. This actually happened. And so Bernie sued them, went to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, again, not making this up, check it yourself. Supreme Court said, no, these are two private organizations who are not required to give us fair elections because they're private corporations. The election system that is run at, on the general election day, run by the state, that must be a fair election. But the internal 
fights to get that nominee to private company. Well, I buy that except states pay for primaries. If you're going to tell me that my tax dollars do not pay for the primary, that makes sense. But our tax dollars pay for primary day, don't they? They pay for ballot access. They pay for voting. They pay for all those things. Not just that. The state puts the name of the party, Democratic and Republican Party, on the ballot, which is literally promotion. That wasn't a thing. People don't realize that. You go back about 50, 100 years, they didn't print ballots. You walked in, took a piece of paper, wrote the person's name down, put it in a the box. Then they counted them. That's how voting's supposed to go. Democratic and Republican Party said, no, 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 no. We're going to decide who goes on that ballot. And they decide that now. People say, well, Larry, why do these third parties run some candidates? We physically cannot get on the ballot. And when we do, people don't know this, every single year, your party, Democrat, Republican Party, whichever one you're part of, spends millions of dollars, and I mean millions, getting lawyers to sue people off the ballot. And judges agree all the time. How do I know that? Happened to me in 2022. I got on the ballot in New York State. The Republican Party spent six figures, along with the Board of Elections, three lawyers, six figures against me eight times. Once one, um, one state um, uh, um, lawsuit with three appeals, one federal lawsuit with three appeals. Cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars to defend myself, and I lost. So they sued me off the ballot. They said, you have to follow all of these strict guidelines. And my argument was, these guidelines are impossible. You have by default, and again, this is my oral argument into the court. You have by default established an aristocracy where only people who are currently already running for office or in office have any chance of being on the ballot. No one else can do it. And then I, my, my, what's funny is my appeals went longer than the actual getting on the ballot. So once everybody failed, I said, my appeal is clear. I've just shown you. No one else got on the ballot. You made these rules so no one can get on the ballot. This, and this is a true story again. A sitting congressman who was the Republican candidate tried to get a second line independently. He couldn't do it. He was a sitting congressman. Republican couldn't do it. Yeah. Me, who posted 6% and raised half a million dollars. I couldn't do it. Not just another guy who tried to do it under the um, Unite Party. He's worth tens of millions of dollars. Multimillionaire. He couldn't do it. This was the first time in 80 years there was not an independent party uh, for the governor in New York State. Only Democrat Republican. And both who were running was the current governor and a sitting congressman. The judges said, I don't care. Don't care. We try to get our, our, our um, lawsuit to go to Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, we don't want to see it. Not important. The Supreme Court never saw our case. They, they said no. So I dropped all that money and Republicans sued me off the ballot. And you would say, wait a minute, Larry. Why the hell would Republicans sue you off the ballot? Why wouldn't they say, come on in? Because in states like New York and also like Oklahoma and the opposite, right? This isn't a Republicans good, Democrats bad. No, no, it's whoever's in charge bad. In the case of Oklahoma, it's Republicans. In the case of New York, it's Democrats. Whoever's in charge, once you become in charge, you are corrupt in a one-party system. So the Republicans said, we can't have Larry do this because if Larry runs, he may, he may make us look bad. And we have to make sure that we keep our little crumbs that we get from the emperor. So the Republicans were the attack dog of the Democrats, and they threw me off the ballot. And, Dem and oh, same, the opposite in Oklahoma. The Republicans will hang up here, and Democrats will throw people off the ballot. So...
if someone is listening and they, I think with Biden being the candidate for president this year. Perfect example of this. What's that? Democrats do not want Biden. Oh, okay. Yes. They don't want, it's clear. Uh, okay. Democrats do not want Biden. Wow. And what do Democrats yes. do? Shut up. We're going to put him up there. Shut up. Now, if you're going to tell me that we as taxpayers don't pay for any of their primaries and we as taxpayers can put somebody else, an independent candidate, up on, onto the ballot easily, I'm okay with this ruling. I am. Okay. Democrats can do what they want, privatization, but then let me and you, Kelly, let's start our own privatization and get us a, get a, get us a candidate. If we can do that, fine. But they're not doing that. And the press helps, the media helps. There's only two choices. This is the system we have. They made it. It's like if I pass laws because I want it. Great, I'm gonna pass a law. Anybody named Larry Sharp can never be guilty of anything. Done. It's the system we have, Kelly. Sorry, I get to murder people. The system we have. That's not a good system, right? That's what's happening. You got the people who are in charge making rules to keep themselves in charge. And the media going, that system we have. No, break the system. We have to break the system. And that's the key piece. This is a perfect example of that, right? And I got to tell you, if Republicans could do it to Trump, they would. The Republicans made a mistake. And I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Their system wasn't corrupt enough in 2016. Mm. Right? The Democratic system was completely corrupt in 2016. The Republican was kind of corrupt. So the Republican system thought, oh, no, Trump can't win. Because to be forward, if you're a Republican voter, odds are you love Trump. Most Republican voters love Trump. Republican establishment hates Trump. Cannot stand him. They want him gone. They didn't want him in the first place. They're happy he lost and they hope he loses again. They do not want him, right? Why do you think Nikki Haley's still running? Why? What, what po- She's getting crushed in, case in Trump every gets, poll. Gets put in jail or something? Bingo. And the Republican establishment. I'm going to be very, there's a difference. Republican voters. Love Trump. It's clear. Polar polls show it. Who do you think all the no labels people are? They're all Republican establishment who've moved away from the Republican Party and now moved to no labels to try to get rid of them. That's all of them. The Lincoln Project. That's Republicans. Establishment guys who hate Trump. So they moved over in an attempt to knock Trump out. Why do you think they're not... They're not fighting all these issues, all, all the attacks on Trump. Now, they're happy. They're hoping that Trump gets knocked out. They're hoping Trump, the Republican establishment can't be as open as I'm being because their voter base would throw them out. So they're pretending like they don't care or it's the system. But I guarantee you, every one of them is in their bedroom at night praying, oh, please get rid of Trump. Give us Nikki Haley, please. We want to go back to the old ways. We want George W. Bush back. That's what the establishment wants. They do not want Trump at all. It's obvious if you see it. Now, this is the weird part. The Democrats are the opposite. Hear me out. Democratic voters hate Trump. And I mean, they hate him. The average Democratic voter literally thinks he is the evilest person in the world. He needs to go to jail forever. They cannot stand him. But the Democratic establishment actually wants him to run again. They don't want him going to jail. Because they don't have to do anything. They can just tell they can just tell their base, orange man bad. I don't have to have any policies. I don't have to do anything to help you. I can just keep making my money and just say, I will save you from evil orange man. If you notice, that's all they're doing. The entire democratic po- uh, policy, it's not policy, it's 
whatever Bidenomics is, whatever that the hell is, right? But all that actually is is just I'm gonna I will save you from Trump. Democracy is uh, under attack. The women's right to choose is under attack. That's the entire thing. Trump is gonna make your all your women you're pregnant and barefoot, and he's gonna destroy democracy and be a tyrant, and there'll never be an election again. That's the Democrats. So the Democrat establishment, they would never want to put Trump away in jail, get rid of him. Never. They just want to batter him. If you notice, all the judgments against him are just financial. It's just smash him, beat him. They want to, in, in a Democratic establishment, again, I, I separate establishment from voter. The Democratic establishment in their perfect world, a broken, battered Trump stumbles into an election and they can rally their base and they hope, this is their hope, the Republican base is either split or somehow disenchanted, they don't show up. So that now Democrats all show up in droves because orange man bad. Got to stop, save the world from orange man. They all rush in to vote, right? All He's going to make all women pregnant barefoot. So you got to rush all in to vote. All women will come in to vote. They all vote against Trump. That's their hope. And Biden wins again. That's their hope. The Republican establishment actually agrees with that. Republican establishment is fine with that. Republican establishment does not mind if Biden's president again. He's not at all. Because when the Republican establishment has Biden again, they don't do anything. They just say, see, Biden's ruining everything. I told you give us George W. Bush again, and you didn't. I told you give us Nikki Haley, and you didn't. Just give us Nikki Haley, we can beat Biden. So the Republican establishment does not mind if Biden wins at all. They don't care. Totally fine. As long as Trump is out of the picture. Because Trump is, one of the reasons people don't realize is that people are teasing Republicans and thinking they're losing because they're saying Republicans aren't raising so much money anymore. That's accurate. What they're not telling you is, where's that money going to? directly to Trump. Trump is raising money, there's no tomorrow. Because the average Republican voter loves Trump. They buy his sneakers, those new sneakers that came out, they <laughs> buy his NFTs, they love him. They buy all his stuff, they love him. So they give him all the money. Well, that money doesn't go to Democratic Par Republican Party anymore. They don't like that. They think that's their money, right? They, that's their money, we, whoa, whoa. Trump, you can't take my money, that's my money. They don't like that, so they want Trump to go away. Now, that's the difference between, again, establishment and voters. Why does this matter? Because our enemy, as Americans, is not the other side. Our enemy is the establishment. That's our actual enemy, which is why I don't care if I'm a Republican or Democrat. Who cares? I can run as a Democrat in New York City now and win. Because I, I could beat any Democrat if I wanted to. Spend my time, my energy, beat a Democrat, and I'd win. I'd be a Democratic, whatever, city councilman, Democratic, whatever. And what would I change? Nothing. The things I'm telling you now, the vast majority of Americans don't know. But when I tell you, you're saying it right now, that makes sense. Yeah, I see it. You're Right now, you're thinking that. And so is your audience. They're going, yeah, you're right. That makes sense. Yes, because it's true. If it wasn't true, they would sue me somehow, wouldn't they? I've been saying this for years. They would sue me. They would say, oh, he's lying. It's not true. They'd attack me, something. They don't. They just hope I shut up. That's why they sue me off the ballot. They hope I just shut up. That's the, that's the issue. They don't mean running again because then I'll get back on Joe Rogan again and then I'll say this again. <laughs> They're like, don't do that. Then more people will hear you. Stop. So that's their goal. So they would want me to run to shut me up. I would be beholden to them, right? Think about this. The average, the average congressperson, whether in the Senate or in Congress, is a multimillionaire. So is AOC. She's a multimillionaire. How? You make $107,000 a year. How? 
You make 170 some odd thousand dollars a year as a congressperson or senator. How are you a multimillionaire? Already. Already? How you how? How'd that happen? Yeah. Well, now I'm getting all that money. And now here comes Larry Sharp saying, you got to stop. She's like, that's my money, Larry. No, 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 no. That's my money. No, no, no. This guy's got to go. He's got to go. It's my money. He's got to go. So whenever you think there's a grift, it's because there's a grift. Sadly, most of the people who are running things in states like New York, they know that this is ancient Rome and Rome is burning. They know the empire is falling. They're aware of it. They see it, right? They're trying to grift while the grifting is good. That's what they're doing. They see it burning. I would ask anybody who's listening, you, Kelly, anybody listening, who have you ever heard give you a plan for growth? You can't think of one. There are none. Only person who gives you a plan for growth is this guy here you're listening to right now. I talk about plans for growth all the time because I want to rebuild what was America. I want to rebuild it. I think we can still do it. I think it can be done. How, Maybe I'm how, stupid. How can that be done? It can be done by doing the most important thing I talked about earlier, innovation. Getting Americans to be innovative again. And we don't do that. Number one way we do that is by breaking monopolies. Here's the thing that people don't understand. Why I'm a libertarian. One of my key pieces. If you ask anybody, do you like monopoly? They go, no. Is monopoly good? No, it's terrible. It hurts people, right? Yeah. Government's monopoly. Huh. Yes. So by default, it's going to be bad. One of the number one things we have to do is start doing something, which you will see in other areas. And I'll give you a couple of examples of this. It's not knocking down government necessarily, but creating competition in the private sector to government so that people can choose whatever's best for them. When that begins to happen, government has two options. Government gets better or government goes away. Some of the options, you can see this already happened. FedEx and UPS, right? Post office isn't gone. Not gone. But now we have UPS and FedEx and others, right? So a lot of people for overnight use FedEx or UPS. It tends to be better. But what if you want to send your package to Barrow, Alaska? Hmm. UPS ain't going there. Post office has to. Post office will. But what winds up happening? As a general rule, two things happen. The post office gets better at things. What is the post office good at? It's good at bulk mailing. It is good at that. Better, believe it or not, right now than FedEx or UPS. You want to do bulk mailing? The post office does a better job of that. But individual packages, FedEx and UPS crushed the post office on this. In fact, one of, one of the uh, biggest, one of the biggest um, uh, customers of the post office is FedEx. Because places like, again, Barrow, Alaska, FedEx is never going. Mm. So they pay the post office to send a package there. So one of the, and that happens naturally. So we get better service by having more competition. Give you a secondary idea where this has come in, but begrudgingly. Health food stores, natural food stores, right? So you know the place like what, what Whole Foods used to be. Well, I'm not sure it is that now, but what it used to be. And people would say, well, wait a minute, that's dangerous. Why? Well, in most of these health food stores, natural food stores, almost nothing in that store is backed by the FDA. Almost nothing. What is it backed by? It's backed by third-party private organizations who check, spot check, and validate everything. That's, what, that's how it works. Here's what I also know. The healthiest people you know shop in those stores. Mm. Where, are all, where are all the deaths from the health food stores? Nowhere. All the supplements people take in health food stores, where's all the deaths? Nowhere. Where's all the deaths from FDA-approved drugs? All over the place. The FDA has killed and maimed 
far more people than all the health food stores combined over the past 100 years. Not even close. It's not even by magnitudes. Why? Because the FDA is a monopoly. And if it's a monopoly by government run, what gets approved? Whoever gives me money gets approved. That's how that works. Is that why the food pyramid was funded by the cereal companies? A hundred percent. Conveniently. Perfect example. (laughs) And why when back in the 90s, when Dr. Atkins came up with the reverse, when he came up with the ketogenic diet, which I'm not saying you should be keto or not. I'm not saying you should or not. What I'm saying is that should have gotten the same amount of respect so that individual Americans can pick the diet that works for them. There was a guy in the 90s with a blood type diet, a guy named Dr. Diadamo. I'm not saying you should be a blood type diet. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is you, as the average American, should see all of them and pick the one that works for you that you think is best. Not government monopoly that's funded by people who want to pump cereal into you, which is what actually happens. Monopoly is bad. We have to be encouraging third party. I'll give you another example. Medical field. Everything government runs, everything, so there's a monopoly, you get worse service, higher prices, less accessibility. Every single time. I'll give you medical. Our medical system is a disaster. It's an embarrassment. Everyone says it. It's broken. Why? Run by government. But there's one that isn't. The one right next to it. Non-essential. LASIK eye surgery, cosmetic dentistry, not run by the government at all. There's no rules on this and that that's crazy. It's just regular safety rules, that's all. But no other things, they don't control it. And what's happened in every case, more accessibility, prices come down. When I was a kid, the only people who got cosmetic dentistry were like movie stars. No one else got that. Now anyone can get it if they want to. Anyone get the teeth whitened if they want to get teeth whitened, they get the teeth straightened, the teeth straightened, whatever. You can do it now if you want to, up to you. You can get things put in, veneers, whatever. It's it's affordable for a lot more Americans. When I was a kid, only movies also affected. When I was a kid, they were just coming out with the LASIK eye surgery. They used to make you do one eye at a time because you couldn't afford both. That's how expensive it was. Now people get all done. Why? Government's not in the middle of it. Government's not in the middle of it. Now you go to the hospital and the government runs it, you're bankrupt. Why? Government runs it. But now we have a secondary tier right next to it. Now, if more people can go to this, it would get better. How do I know this? The wealthiest people in the world, they go to private doctors. They don't go to Medicare, Medicare, Medicare. They don't go to, they don't take insurance. The best doctors in America are stopping. And this is why I tell you again about New York. In New York City now, today in New York City, there's a two-tiered medical system. The wealthy all go to private doctors. The non-wealthy struggle to get appointments or have to go to urgent care because they can't get appointments. Why? Doctors don't take insurance anymore. Why? Government gets involved, ruins everything. They don't want it anymore. The best doctors say, swipe your credit card. Give a check. By the way, I'm guilty of that. I go to private doctors. I'm guilty of it too. Why would I? I can call my doctor, write a check or swipe my credit card, and see them today. No one else can do that. Um, if you got a regular insurance, you can do that. It's three weeks from Thursday, whatever, but I'm sick now. Go to urgent care. Good luck. That's the answer. So already, so here's the worst part. That means the best doctor is going to keep doing that. So my plan is, and my plan always for growth is, is not to hurt the the rich, but to give the people who are poor middle class the same service. How do we do that? By getting government out of it. By getting government out of it. And I I talk about plans. I mean, I could talk for hours just in healthcare, but there are ways that make it actually happen to where now you begin to get people to use it this way. It changes everything. I love it. Larry, you're- This is what- Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
No, no. This is why you find the wealthy people are for Medicare for all. They don't actually want Medicare for all because they're not going to use it. Mm. It's Medicare for y'all, not for all. It's Medicare for y'all. You're going to get them crappy doctors at Medicare for all. I'm going to my private doctor. So yeah, yeah, Medicare for y'all. That's perfect. You, 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 you pours take that. I'm going to go get my own private doctor. That's how they think. That's why they love it. They don't care. Medicare for all. Perfect. Yeah. Keep the poor people happy. That's how they think. Most of these people who are elite don't care about you at all. Larry, you do such a good job at handling any, you know, anarcho-libertarian type question, and you just take it so well. Thus far, we've discussed mostly uh, domestic issues. Of course, you've ran for governor twice, uh, Larry. Um, So your focus, of course, to be elected governor of the state of New York, it doesn't involve foreign policy. You did serve. Correct. You served in the, the, I believe you were a sergeant in the Marine Corps. I was. And, And if... Our listeners, of course, can only hear the audio for this episode, but I do see behind you, Larry, it looks like you yes. have at least some patriotic-looking military. Um, I can do. You, can you summarize? Are you proud of your experience in the military? What do you have behind you? 100%. Um, I have behind me a uh, baseball glove and mitt because I, used to, I was a player when I was a kid, a chess set because I learned when I was a kid. Um, my father passed away when I was a kid, um, and then I stopped playing chess because he was the reason why I played chess. The American flag you see is his flag that I got when he was, uh, he was a veteran also. When he died, they gave my mother that flag. My mother passed. When she died, she gave me his flag. That's his flag there. Um, that's the American flag you see. The other uh, thing you see that, that has uh, my Marine Corps symbol on it there is, uh, I, I got that in the Philippines in the in 1980s. When I, I got my tattoo, by the way, also in the Philippines in the 80s. Um, I, was, I joined the Marine Corps in the 80s. So my first commander in chief was Ronald Reagan. Shows you how old I am. Uh, but yes. Um, so no, I... The Marine Corps saved my life. And I mean that. My father died when I was a kid, so I had no... I'll give you the, the, the story I tell people sometimes. My father was in the Army, so I was going to join the Army. I thought, okay, I'd be like, my dad, I'm going to join the Army. So I go to the recruiting statement. There's, there's four uh, recruiters in the station, right? Army, Air Force, Navy, and Marine Corps. So I pass the, the, the Navy one, pass the Air Force one, go into the Army one. And I'm like, hey, I want to join the Army like my dad. I'm 17 years old, still in high school. He's like, great, we're going to make you a general in three weeks. You're going to be traveling the world. Hot chicks are going to be all over you. You're going to get a PhD for free. The whole thing. I'm like, oh, my God, the Army's great. I can't believe how lucky am I. So he gives me, like, the, the book covers. I'm still in high school, right? This is Go Army and the bumper stickers. And I got them all. I'm all happy. I'm walking out. Go tell my mom I'm going to join the Army. As I'm walking out, the Marine Corps recruiter is right there. Totally decked out, as you could imagine. Arms folded, muscles bulging, black man who says, whose name is Larry Holmes, like the boxer. He was not the boxer, but it, that was his name. He's like, I thought you were a son. I'm like, okay. Come on in. So I go inside. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy can't get me, right? I'm smarter than him, right? I'm, I got this covered. He sits me down and he says, so I got to ask you, that army guy. He saw me come out of the army guy. He goes, that army guy. He says, he promised you a lot. I said, yeah, I'm going to be a general. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Tell him all this I'm going to get. He goes, you know what we call that in the Marine Corps? I said, what? He said, we call that the solar plan. Everything under the sun. He said, you know what I'm going to offer you? I said, what? He said, four hard years. Are you ready? I said, yes. And I signed up right there. And I look back and I wonder, why the hell did I do that? Why did I do that? Why? When the army guy was offering me everything and the Marine Corps guy said, no, I'm going to whip your ass for four years. Why did I say yes? And right there. I said, yes. Signed right there. Why? I was desperately looking for positive male role models. 
I didn't know that then, but I look back at that now with hindsight and I was dead. I had none. I was going to be lost. I was going to be a failure. But I, in my heart, somehow, my, I was looking as a 17-year-old boy. I was desperately looking for positive male role models. And the Marine Corps gave me so many of those. It was exactly what I needed. So I say always, Marine Corps saved my life. I am not for the draft. I think people should voluntarily join when they think is right. Absolutely. And in my case, me volunteering was exactly the right answer. It saved my life. That's why I keep Marine stuff around me all the time. Because I still remember who I am. I will be a Marine till they, till they put me in the box. I'll be a Marine. And when they put me in the box, I'll still be a Marine. I'll just be a Marine in the box. But I will still be a Marine always. And I, I it saved my life. It's exactly what I needed. Um, I spent many years. I learned how to be a man. I learned leadership. I learned so many things. I use, I use a lot of Marine Corps things that I learned in Marine Corps in my consulting business to this day. And I was a Marine 30 some odd years ago. And I still use them. Are you proud of the U.S. military in 2024? I have to yet again do what I've said before and divvy up as I always do. The leadership of our military is terrible. The individual soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen are doing what they think is best. I always say that, right? You will always hear me give respect for the, to the, the people who are on the ground doing the hard work, doing what they think is best because that's why they do it, right? Most people join the military because they think doing the right thing. It's one of the reasons why so many Marines come into the Libertarian Party, because they thought that they were fighting for liberty. Then they realize they're fighting for government. And then they go, well, what am I doing? And they leave. And when they get out, they're disenchanted. The Marine Corps and the Libertarian Party says, no, no, fighting for liberty, that's us here. You just, you, you can still do it, just do it here. And you find a lot of them, and I'm one of them, right? I'm one of them. So I'm disenchanted with how we throw Marines' lives away, I'm disenchanted with when they come back, how we ignore them. And I'll give you two examples, both personal, but one as a Marine and one as, as not. Um, as a Marine, I saw how many people wanted to go off to, to, to fight for wars that meant nothing. Nothing. The Iraq war was nothing. All the pain we have in the Middle East now is directly because George W. Bush decided to invade Iraq when it was the Saudis we did 9-11 and we invaded Iraq for what? Destabilized, made Iran stronger, made Syria stronger, gave the Russians more of an input in the entire area. Nothing but bad. The, the, October 7th doesn't happen if we don't invade Iraq. I'm not even making that up. It doesn't even happen. All this because of our invasion of Iraq. All because of that. Stupid should never been done. And we stayed there for how many years? Lost 7,000 Americans. And when they came back to America, what did we do for them? We discarded them. And I know people who went there and discarded. And I personally have had to talk people. This always bothers me, but I still got to say it because it does matter. More than once, I have talked guys off a ledge. And when I say off a ledge, I mean off a ledge. And the worst one, I tell the story before, if you listen to somebody, story, I do say this. The worst one, the scariest one for me, was a guy is in a hotel room with his firearm. And I've got to tell him, I got to say, okay, I got to ask you, where's the gun right now? He goes, in my hand. I said, okay, is there a bed there? He goes, yeah. So put the gun in the bed right now. He goes, what? Put the gun in the bed right now. He goes, okay. So is there a chair there? He goes, yeah, sit in the chair. He goes, okay. He sits in the chair. I talked to him for about an hour. I didn't want that gun in his hand. I didn't want it in his hand. 
I was afraid I was always going to hear it go off. So I'm like, get the gun out of his hand. Let's have a conversation. I've had it where guys literally have a shotgun in their mouth in their truck. These are vets who have been discarded by our country. Am I mad at them? Hell no. Hell no. They're paying a higher price. That's, I say all the time, when they have Memorial Day, the guys who are dead, they're better off. Their journey is complete. The people who are hurting are the ones who are left over. They're the ones who are hurting. The ones who are dead, they're done. The people here who are the ones suffering, their family, their friends, they're the ones who are paying the price. And who's, who's abandoned them? Our leadership. Who will send them back into the, into the war, into the war again? Our leadership. Am I saying that I would not leave my legs in the streets like some of my friends have? I would. But in the streets of Manhattan, streets of Detroit, streets of LA, yes. Oklahoma City, yes. You're saying you would die. Baghdad? You're, you're saying you would die. Baghdad, no. Protecting our country here. Correct. And I'm in my 50s and I would still leave my goddamn legs in the streets of Oklahoma City. I would do it. Yes, I would. I would still do it today. Baghdad, Fallujah, Kiev. Tel Aviv? No. No. That makes you angry? I don't care. No. I'm not going to leave my legs in those cities. No. Des Moines? Yes. Yes. Kansas City? Yes. Boston? Yes. Philly? Yes. Baghdad? No. Kiev? No. Tel Aviv? No. And no one should. You should not send your children to fight those wars. They're not our wars. So if we don't send our troops overseas, we're just supplying the money and the weapons, then no big deal, right? Still terrible. Yeah. I'm, I'm being sarcastic, of course. Yes, Maybe because now we're making sure they're fighting longer and longer and longer because we keep supporting the wars. And all this money we're giving is just feeding our military industrial complex. So we give whatever, $100 billion to country X, right? Ukraine in this case or whatever. other. I'm, I'm not mad at Ukraine or whatever. It's another country next year or the year after that different country, right? No one cared about Ukraine until that war. Before that, it was what? Afghanistan. Before that, it was Iraq. Before that, it was what? Vietnam. Whatever. It's the, the country of the decade, whatever that nation is. Now it's Ukraine. Whatever. We're going to send $100 billion to Ukraine. $20 billion of that goes to the local warlords and local grifters who take their money. And $80 billion comes back to our military complex to make weapons for them. So it's basically a jobs program. This goes back to my first initial piece, mm, right? It does. Government creates the jobs now, not us. I saw a chart. I think 48 out of 50 states have like Raytheon. Uh, yes. <laughs> so tactically, so they can say, vote for me. We're bringing jobs here. And they literally are. Correct. Correct. But they aren't jobs that, hey, some company decides I want to build a thing that people want. Right, I'm going to build that thing that people want, so now I'll do this job here. No, because our regulatory environment is against that. It doesn't make any sense to build that here. You'd rather build it in China or India or Vietnam or whatever, in Poland. You want to build it someplace else. We're completely unfriendly to business. So, of course, you wouldn't do it. So, why do you do it? When government writes you a check. There's a CHIPS Act that I'm going to talk about later on in my show. Right, the CHIPS Act. This is... This is, oh, we're going to make chips in America. I'm happy. No, no. The government's going to buy chips. Your tax dollars and or Federal Reserve debt is going to buy chips. You are bribing big business to build chips here. Why? Because it can't do it without it. 
The military industrial complex is just the government buying things. Why? Because our environment for business is garbage. The only place that we do well in America when it comes to business is one thing only, finance. We are so good to finance. It's one of the, and finance is not bad by default, but finance should be a very small percentage of your economy. Finance should be something that just supports the other manufacturing and service industries to do well. That's what finance should do. Finance dominates our entire world. Why are houses so expensive? Finance. Because they're buying everything. Finance buys everything and turns everything into a commodity. What was the, 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 the crisis of 2008? Was them taking mortgages together and then selling them as a stock. Yeah, that's all it is. Finance runs everything. So finance has to get bailed out. Why? Because finance is also the biggest lobbyist. Insurance companies also. Obamacare, so she's so good for everybody. Oh, so good. It was a gift to insurance companies. That's what it was. It just, it gave by law, insurance companies, a bunch of customers. Well, I can survive too if the government's forcing you to be my customer. Subsidi well, damn, subsidizing I it. Yeah, I can be a successful businessman if the government's gonna force you to be my customer. Yeah, I'm the best businessman in the world. You can I'll sell you cups if the government orders you to buy my cups. It's brilliant. You know, I'm the I, best businessman in the world. I am a health insurance broker, so I actually do write Affordable Care Act plans, and I can write you a plan for zero dollar monthly premium. <laughs> yes, and I get paid. absolutely I get paid. Of course, <laughs> yes. You can be a great businessman when the government's do. I'm, again, I'm not mad at the guy sure. who takes his business and goes to New York and the government writes him a check. I probably would too, right? I'm not mad at him. Again, it goes by the same thing. I'm not mad at the individual who has to survive. I'm mad at the leaders who created the system. That's why I run for, this, for the leadership to break the system. People are reacting how they should to survive. I get it. Why would I be mad at some guy who does a business in New York State if the government gives him a check for $100,000? I get it. You're going to give me a check for $100,000? I'd do that too, right? But is it bad for us? It is. But do I blame the guy for taking advantage of it? No. I would too. If you're going to write me a big check, thank you. I'm going to say, oh, on principle, no. No, I'm not. I'm taking that money. Change the system. I'm sorry. I've yapped away. I've taken up far too much of your time. I'm going to have to run here, brother. No, I appreciate your time. I always do. Larry, before we wrap up the episode, if someone's interested in hearing more from you, how can they do that? Head over to Larry Sharp. That's Larry Sharp with an E at the end, and the E stands for entertaining. Uh, so yeah, do that on either Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn or whatever. I'm on all the things. I'm on Rumble and MeWe and Gab and name the thing. I'm on it. Larry Sharp. You can find me all those places. I do a lot of shows, a lot of content. Please check me out. Thank you very much, Larry.